There are Jews in the world. There are Buddhists. There are Hindus and Mormons and then there are those that follow Mohammed's but I've never been one of them. How's your faith these days, Father? So big, so absolutely huge. Do you think maybe he's compensating for something? <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah. What do we learn? I don't know, sir. I don't fucking know either. Good evening and welcome back. I'm glad that you could be here today. If this is the first time that you're listening, welcome. I hope to earn your subscription your followership whatever you call it wherever you're doing i hope you want to listen to me again and if it's not your first time welcome back glad to see you here anyway okay now that that's over sorry about that uh let's go right into the gospel what do you say I like that idea. Gospel, gospel, gospel. I had it sitting right here too. Ah, here we are. Today's gospel is from Luke chapter 18, one through eight. Should we just get right to it? I think we should. We'll talk after this. So the gospel says this. When Jesus told them the parable about their need to pray always and not to lose heart, he said, in a certain city, there was a judge who feared neither God nor had respect for people. In that city, there was a widow who kept coming to him and saying, Grant me justice against my opponent. For a while, he refused. But later, he said to himself, Though I have no fear of God and no respect for anyone, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will grant her justice so that she, might, she may not wear me out by continually coming. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God grant justice to his chosen ones who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long in helping them? I tell you, he will quickly grant justice to them. And yet, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Do you get the feeling that sometimes life just isn't fair? C.S. Lewis felt that unfairness within us is a signpost pointing to God. For example, when we see a movie, we want justice done. That's just what a happy ending is usually about. We want to see the wrong righted. We want to see the good guy win. And we feel cheated if the good guy doesn't win. Feelings like that are so universal that Lewis felt they were evidence that we are all created in God's image. Now the Old Testament is obsessed with the idea that just of the justice of God. Remember Abraham's argument with God concerning Sodom. The Lord revealed to Abraham that Sodom would be destroyed because of its great wickedness. So Abraham asked rather boldly, What if there were 50 righteous people in the city? Would you still destroy it? Then Abraham goes on and argues God down to 10 righteous people. 
But at the heart of the argument is a question that resounds throughout the Old Testament. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? And the answer is affirmed by both the law and the prophets. Above all else, God is a righteous and just God. And when we think of Jesus, we think of God's mercy and grace. But Jesus affirmed the principle of God's righteousness. Jesus told them about a woman who had a problem. She was a widow and someone was unjustly treating her. So she went to find a judge who feared neither man nor God to get some relief. But the judge ignored her plea. Some people would have stopped there, but not this woman. She rejected the judge's rejection. She hounded him at the very opportunity to give her justice. And finally, the obstinate judge gave the more obstinate woman and gave in and justice prevailed. Then Jesus added a moral to this little parable. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? God is a just God. And injustice can be the cornerstone of life in this world at times. We know that. We learned early in our discipleship well, that whatever a person sows, they also reap. But let's be honest, the truth is that sometimes we reap things we definitely did not sow. U.S. tennis champion Arthur Ashe underwent a heart bypass surgery in 1983. At that time, hospitals weren't checking blood samples for HIV that virus that causes AIDS. And through a blood transfusion, Ash contracted that disease. Now he did not suspect that he had was infected until 1988 when he had to have brain surgery after his right arm became paralyzed. During that surgery, it was revealed that he had a parasitic infection that quickly led to a diagnosis of AIDS. Now he had not planned to reveal his sickness, but USA Today demanded he confirm or deny the rumor that he had AIDS in 1992. And the tennis star ranked seventh in the world before he was forced to retire. Bradley held a press conference and announced that he had AIDS. And like anyone else, Arthur Ashe was tempted to aim his rage at God. But he conquered that temptation. And instead, speaking at a Niagara County Community College in the fall of 1992, he testified to the place Jesus Christ held in his life. I've had a religious faith growing up in the South and black and having a church as a focal point of my life. And I was reminded of something Jesus said on the cross. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Remember, Jesus was poor, humble, and of a despised minority. I wasn't poor in that my father was a policeman, but we certainly weren't rich. And Jesus asked the question, in effect, of why must the innocent suffer? And I'm not so innocent. I mean, I hardly, I'm hardly a perfect human being. But if you asked about yourself, why me? And I think, why not me? Why should I be spared that what some others would have been inflicted with? And I have to think of all the good of my life, of having a great wife and a daughter, and family, and friends, and winning the Wimbledon, and the US Open, and playing for and coaching the Davis Cup team, and getting a free scholarship to UCLA, all kinds of good things. You could also ask this, 
Why me? Sometimes, there's no explanations for things, especially for the bad. That's one hell of a testimony, it took me forever to find it. The truth rings through though. Sometimes even bad shit happens. There's no reason, none that our feeble mortal minds can honestly see, and sometimes the innocent suffer. Life's a bitch, it isn't always fair. And if we admit that, then we have to take something else to heart. That sometimes suffering can be redemptive. Not always. Some events are void of any redemptive quality from our perspective. And no, things don't happen for a reason. According to Victor Borge, the composer Bizet was the original hard luck man. He stayed up nights to finish an opera by the deadline only to learn, learn after that the production had been postponed for a year. He wrote a symphony and just misplaced it before anybody could play it. He entered a composing contest with only one other entrant and received second prize. And finally, once he went to visit his girlfriend and tapped on her window at the precise moment that her mother decided to empty a chamber pot from the room directly above his head. Explain the reason. Oh, and that stupid idea that what doesn't kill you makes you stronger? Nearly all the time, I think that's messed up. But, like, 0.01% of the time, maybe it does allow some strength to blossom. George Matheson, the great poet who developed that same kind of wisdom, when Matheson's eyesight vanished, so did his fiancée. And 20 years later, he wrote the immortal hymn, Oh, Love, That Will Not Let Me Go. But he also penned these powerful words that are sometimes overlooked. My God, I have never thanked thee for my thorns. I have thanked thee a thousand times for my roses, but not once for my thorns. I have been looking forward to a world where I can get compensation for my cross. I have never thought of my cross as itself a present to glory. Teach me the glory of my cross. Teach me the value of my thorn. Shew me that I have climbed to thee by the path of pain. Shew me that my tears have made my rainbow. Ain't that beautiful? Shew me that I have climbed to thee by the path of pain. Shoo me by the tears that have made my rainbow. Of course, not everyone can thank God for their thorns. Some people are in just too much pain. But sometimes, life's most dreaded situations can lead us to a deeper, more profound relationship with God. I don't doubt that some of you have experienced that in your own life. And that brings us to our final truth. Justice will be done. So mark it down. Grab that sharpie. Justice will be done. Just as sure as God exists, the innocent shall not suffer forever. Now let's throw our back, minds back to Prague, Czechoslovakia, to those last few days of the Soviet Empire. In the Prague demonstration that sparked the Czech Revolution on November 18, 1989, students began chanting to the Communist Party leadership you have lost already. You have lost already. Though the ultimate victory 
was still in the future. We know that we can win, said Carib Serp, leader of the demonstrations. This is unstoppable. And you know what? I believe he was right. There is something in this world that is unstoppable, and that's the justice of God. Tell it to anyone who would oppress God's people. God's justice will prevail. Just hold on to it. You know, like a piece of driftwood when you're just about to sink from the raging flood of life's heartaches. God's justice will prevail. Teach your children when it appears that evil is in control. God's justice will prevail. Live your life and conduct your business with that guiding principle. God's justice will prevail. And when you think of letting go, giving in, and going over the other side, discipline your thoughts with this sure warning. God's justice will prevail. It will prevail. And you know what? There was a little bit of poetic justice several years ago in Berlin. In fact, I think it was 1994. See, the San Francisco Giants and the San Diego Chargers played an exhibition of football game at the Olympic Stadium in Berlin. But there was a very interesting sidebar to this entire athletic event. See, Marty Glickman's seat for the game was in the same box built for Adolf Hitler to view the 1936 Olympics. And Glickman, though he's a broadcaster at the time, was also one time a world-class sprinter who was not allowed to run in the American 400 meter relay team in 1936 primarily because of Hitler's hatred for Jews. But now, Hitler is dead, and the victim of his own hand and evil in the same policies that he pursued. Now, Hitler's former viewing stand was Marty Glickman's viewing stand. It was weird sitting here, Glickman said. It made me remember watching in the stadium and looking up to this box and seeing him. Now, Hitler has gone the way of all tyrants eventually go. Why? Because God's justice will prevail. And one day, all of God's people will live in freedom, justice and dignity, under the lordship of Jesus Christ. That is the promise of the scriptures, both Old Testament and New. Shall not the judge of all earth do right? Asked Abraham. Will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Jesus asks. These are rhetorical questions. Both men already knew the answer. And it may not happen as quickly as we prefer, but it will happen. Because God's justice will prevail. I want to thank each and every one of you who are listening for listening. It means a lot to me. You're why I do this. So here's something. If you're listening to this part right now, why don't you go into the comment section and leave me a comment. Let me know what you think. Let me know what you'd like to hear from me. Let me know what you'd like to have if you subscribed. I mean, I want to expand. I want to gather more of you around me. That's what I'm here for. So let's make this a community. Take a look in the description below to find all the links to everywhere I am. Facebook, 
Twitter, Instagram. I think I have Instagram on there. And all the other social media things, including Twitch and my store. Pick up some merchandise. I got some new ones coming in. I was thinking about having a shirt that says abrasive. And on the back it says, of course, because some shit stains need to be scrubbed out of humanity. <laughs> oh, I mean. Anyway, I love you all. Take care of each other. And I'll talk to you next week. It's going to be beautiful. I know it. Take care. Thank you.